Let's turn in our Bibles this afternoon to the book of Luke. I started a lesson last week that I didn't get very far. Luke chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 18 through 20, and then verse 67, Luke 1, verses 18 through 20, and verse 67, praise God. Luke chapter 1, verse 18, and Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife well stricken in years. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel, that stand in the presence of God, and am sent to speak unto thee, and to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb. Um, that word means mute, by the way. Just want to clarify. <clears throat> um, God doesn't generally strike people dumb. That happens through other means usually. But anyhow, um, <laughs> thou shalt be mute and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed because thou believest not my words which shall be fulfilled in their season. Now, I will throw this in. It was kind of dumb to doubt an angel that's standing before you, but, but nevertheless, uh, especially the angel Gabriel. But we've talked about the reasoning behind it and we may mention that again. Momentarily, Skipping down now to verse number 67. I want you to pay attention to what happened. This is after the baby was born and after Zacharias has officially given this child the name of John. Verse 67, and his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied. Everyone say prophesied. And that's significant. It's very significant. And again, we'll talk about it a little bit in our review here in just a moment. But we are going to be continuing on today with part two of what we've entitled a miraculous message. A miraculous message. I gave it a longer title, but all of that won't fit on the title line sometimes, so um, my original title is A Miraculous Message from an Unmuted Minister, and uh, that's what we're dealing with here, amen, but it was a miraculous message, and we're going to talk about that message here today. Let's put our Bibles down, let's ask the Lord to speak to our hearts, amen, let's ask him to talk to others here today. We need the touch of God and the help of the Holy Ghost. Let's pray together.
name, in Jesus' name. Let's worship the Lord together, everyone. Let's worship the Lord together. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Praise God, praise God. Amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I don't want to spend too much time on review today, but for the sake of those who did not hear last week's message. Now, I'll, I'll throw this out there, but uh, uh, let me just encourage the members of the Truth Church. If, for some reason, uh, you are not able to be in service, and if, for some reason, you're not able to listen online, you really ought to make it a practice to go back and to hear the messages that were preached. Because every message that's preached to this assembly, I believe God is doing something in our lives as a church. And it's important that the members hear what God has to say. It really is. Amen. Praise God. And uh, it's, it's important that we're all on the same page. But let me, let me give you just a brief review here today. Uh, we began last week looking at this story of the father of John the Baptist, Zacharias by name. Uh, he and his wife Elizabeth were called in the scripture. Uh, they were called righteous people. The Bible says of them that they kept the commandments of God. They were blameless is what the inspired writer said about them. And that's, that's really saying something amazing about anyone uh, because you have to remember they didn't have the Holy Ghost to try to keep God's law as we have it today. They didn't have the same power that you and I possess. And so if they were able to keep the commandments of God and be blameless without the power of the Holy Ghost, that's saying something. That's saying something. Amen. And uh, these were godly people. These were people that, uh, that loved God and spent their life serving God. In fact, Zacharias was filling the office of a priest at the time in which Gabriel appeared unto him. Now, I pointed out to you last week that in spite of these people being so godly and so righteous and loving God so much, their lives were marked uh, to the rest of the world as though they were cursed by God. They lived every day with a reproach that hung over them. That's not considered a reproach today, but in Bible times, if a couple went childless, then people looked on them as though God had cursed them. And so here was a godly couple that was blameless before God, but the rest of the Jewish world, no doubt, looked down on them and felt like there's got to be some sin somewhere for them to be in the condition they're in. They lived under this cloud all of their lives. They were now well up into years and, uh, and so it was that in spite of their godliness, they still had to endure suffering. 
And you know, there is a verse in the Bible that we don't, uh, many of us don't like too well, but the scripture says, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. All that live godly. Well, hallelujah. We don't like that too well. We want to hear that everything's going to be okay. We want to hear the positive side of things. But I'm just telling you, there is an aspect to living for God that we might as well face it. Don't let the devil tell you that God hates you because you're going through something. Don't let the devil tell you that, that, that you are less than a Christian just because you've got some difficulty in your life. I'm here to tell you, everybody's going to walk through the valley at some point in your life. It's going to happen to all of us. Zacharias and Elizabeth were just another in the long line of examples that this is indeed the case. Zacharias went on serving God. He didn't let this situation in his life cause him to become bitter. Elizabeth did not allow this to, to cause her to curse God or to think ill of God or to blame God. Oh, I could get so sidetracked so easily because we do have that tendency sometime to look into the heavens and say, why God, why do I have to go through this? I'm trying my best. Why must I endure this? Well, hallelujah. All I can tell you is we'll understand it better by and by. It's gonna, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna be different when we get over there and, and we look back on things and, and I don't know if God's gonna explain every tear we've shed and every trial that we've been through, but I do know this, brother Goff, it doesn't matter to me whether he explains it or not. If I can look down and see that my feet are on the streets of gold, then I couldn't care less, amen, about the trials that I had to endure or the sufferings that I had to go through if I can hear him say well done good and faithful servant it doesn't matter to me how many nights I spend crying it doesn't matter how many heartaches I've got to go through if God is pleased with me in the end it will be worth it all oh hallelujah praise God you just have to keep that perspective. And so this couple refused, refused to get bitter. They refused, amen, to turn their back on God just because it seemed God was not hearing their prayer. And I mentioned last week, I've got a feeling that by this time they had stopped praying about having a child. I, I got a feeling I do know and I proved it to you last week. They did pray about it. They did pray about it, but I got a feeling that by this point in their lives, that wasn't part of their daily routine to still ask God for a child. Amen. But they went on serving God and doing what they knew to do. And it was while Zacharias was in the midst of serving God that the angel appeared unto him. 
Now listen, the lighting of the candles, the lighting of the incense was just a mundane job. Something he had to do all the time. He had to go through this routine. It was just one of those things. He'd done it day in and day out. Never felt a touch of God. Never felt the presence of God. Never had any clue that God was even looking at him. But he just kept on doing it anyhow because it was the right thing to do. Oh, I feel like preaching here today. Amen. He didn't have to have an immediate reward to keep him doing what he knew he needed to do. Oh, listen to me, saint of God. Sometimes the devil puts some little something in your mind that you came to church and you didn't really feel God. So what's the sense in coming to church? Maybe you've come two or three times and didn't feel God. Maybe it's been a month or six months and you're not feeling what you want to feel. That doesn't matter. You just keep doing what you know is right because there will come a moment when God's going to show up. If you'll keep being faithful, if you'll keep doing what God wants you to do, there's going to be a moment when God's going to show up. I can promise you when they were standing in the temple almost a year later and they're presenting that little baby boy to the Lord. I can promise you Zacharias was saying, I'm so glad. I got up and went and burnt the incense. <laughs> it would have been easy to call in sick. It would have been easy just to say, I don't need to be there today. Somebody else can do it. It could get done just as well by somebody else. But I promise you, I'm glad. I, I believe Zacharias was glad. He man that he didn't call in sick that day. He didn't know the angel was coming. He didn't know when God planned to meet him. Oh, could I preach for a little while here today? Amen. That's why you just keep coming to church. That's why whether you're feeling it or you're not feeling it, whether you're on the mountain or in the valley, you just keep coming. You just keep coming. You don't have to feel something every time you come. I'm just telling you, friend, there's going to be a day God's going to set an appointment and you don't want to miss that appointment. Oh, Jesus. I don't know if I'm going to get this finished today or not. I got to finish it. I still got another one. We're only uh, part of the way through. I hadn't finished yet. I got I to gotta try to get done. But I'm telling you, there's an interesting, interesting passage in the Old Testament. And uh, I talked about it last year on one of the podcasts during that time we were doing a daily podcast it's an interesting thing to me. It's, it be, it's one of those things that you could just kind of gloss over and not even recognize what's being said. But, but the Bible talks about uh, at the dedication of the tabernacle and the head of each tribe was to bring a certain amount of things and, and I mean it was quite a procession and, and quite a, a huge offering they were bringing to God every day each head of each of the 12 tribes was bringing something to God every day and when it came down to the tribe of Levi uh, Aaron was the man for the job and God said to Aaron just go light the lamps he didn't get to make a procession he didn't get to do what everybody else was doing 
I'm telling you, others, no doubt in Israel, stood in awe as the other tribes came by every day with all of their gifts and their carts laden down with all the expensive offerings they were bringing to God. But when it came time for Aaron to do something, he wasn't part of the parade. He wasn't part of the procession. He didn't have some big duty to fill. God said, Aaron, I just want you to go light the lamp. That's all. That's all I'm asking. And the Bible says, and Aaron did just so. That's all he did. He didn't complain. He didn't gripe. He didn't say, God, why can't I be up there in the limelight like everybody else? God just asked him to light a lamp and Aaron was glad to just do whatever God asked him to do. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody here today. It doesn't matter if you never sing a song. It doesn't matter if you never teach a Sunday school class. It doesn't matter if you're never in the limelight. You just keep doing what God's asked you to do. You just keep being faithful. It may just be the lighting of a lamp, but I'm going to tell you, they couldn't have done the things they did inside that tabernacle had there not been somebody that lit the lamp on the inside. Somebody had to do that lit job just to get things ready for everything else that God was going to do hallelujah I'm trying to get I'm trying to get down to this message but there's there's so much here so Zacharias he's not doing anything major he's not the high priest He's not offering the lamb. He's not sprinkling the blood. He's just in there burning some incense. That's all he's doing. And as I pointed out last week, the burning of the incense typifies prayer and worship before God. And so that's all he was doing. It wasn't a major job. It wasn't a glorious task. He was just praying and worshiping. Hallelujah. But in that time of prayer and worship, all of a sudden, there was somebody else in that room with him. There was somebody else there. Amen. He had never seen before. This didn't look like one of his fellow priests. This didn't look like somebody he knew. This wasn't just one of the, one of the others from the tribe of Levi. This was somebody special that was standing before him as he was just doing this mundane task. And lo and behold, it was the angel Gabriel. And he said, I've come because your prayer was heard. Now, wait a minute. I hadn't prayed that prayer perhaps in years. I used to pray it faithfully every day. But when the answer didn't come, I gave up. I hadn't prayed it in a long time, but that didn't matter. Gabriel said, God heard it when you did pray it. He's just been waiting for the day on his calendar when the time was right. I don't know, Brother Larson, how many years passed by from the time that Elizabeth and Zacharias had given up on having a child. I don't know how many prayers they prayed that never included a request for a baby boy. I don't know, but this much I know, it didn't matter how long it had been, God had never forgotten what they had asked. 
God had never forgotten what their prayer request was. And God came through. Amen. I'm preaching to you today. I'm trying to tell you. Amen. Don't lose hope. Don't lose faith. Don't give up. Just because you don't see it today. Just because 2021 is coming to an end. And they're not sitting on this pew yet. That doesn't mean God didn't hear you. That doesn't mean God ignored your prayer. Just because the answer hasn't arrived. I'm telling you. That's no indication that God has abandoned you. I believe there's coming a moment. Amen. When God is going to send a ministering spirit. And your prayer is going to be answered. Oh, praise God. Ah, here's a godly man, a righteous man. A blameless man. And an angel appears to him and says, you ask for a baby, and now you're going to get one. And Zechariah said, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, no, no. If you'd have come a decade ago, I'd have been rejoicing over this. But it's, it's been too long now. We're too old. and There's really not any hope that such a thing could take place. Gabriel looked at him and said, oh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And in fact, I'm not going to let you go spread all your doubt and negativity to everybody else. So I'm just going to shut your mouth until you perform what I tell you to perform. Now I pointed out, not, not until the baby's born. But until you do what I told you to do, I told you to, you're going to name that baby John. And when you do that, Zacharias, I'll loose your tongue. But until you do that, you're not going to be able to speak. You're not going to be able to tell everybody else, oh, I don't believe it. I don't, I don't believe it's going to happen. Uh, it might have happened 10 years ago. It might have happened 15 years. It's not going to. God, God saw to it, amen, that the doubt couldn't spread. Oh, Lord Jesus, I wonder what would happen. I got to be careful now. This is the day after Christmas. I got to keep a smile on my face and a ho, ho, ho on my lips. and Keep everybody happy today. Hallelujah. But I wonder what would happen the next time somebody went to say, our revival's not going to come. We've heard that for years. There's this problem and this problem and this reason why this is wrong with the church and that's wrong with the church. I just wonder what would happen if God just chose to make an example out of one individual and said, you know what, for a little while, you're not going to be able to say anything at all. I got a feeling... That once they conveyed why their voice was stopped, everybody else would at the very least choose to be silent. They may not believe it, but they're not going to say anything about it. It's kind of like I heard Brother Booker say one time. He said, you know, this, this whole deal on tithing, he said, you know, I... I've, I've, I've heard all these, well, is it gross or net? Is it this or that? And, and uh, you know, if I shave a few pennies off here or there, you know, and I, 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 he said, but I can promise you this much. 
He said, when Ananias and Sapphira came before Peter and said, this is 100%. And God spoke through Peter and said, you've lied to the Holy Ghost. And they carried them out dead. Brother Booker said, I can promise you there wasn't another person that made out a tithe check for $97.23. So here's $100, God. I'm just going to make sure. We just go, we're going to solve this problem right now. We're not taking any chances going forward. I'm not worried about it. We just, we just make sure you got 10% here. Whichever way you want to count it, we'll make sure it's yours. And it, it solved the problem. Praise God. Hallelujah. I got a feeling that's, that's the same thing that would happen with all of those that want to talk negative and those who don't want to believe the promises of God because they didn't happen when you thought they would happen. I'm going to tell you, I don't know when God's going to do it, but this much I can assure the truth church, God is going to keep every promise he has made. It's impossible for my God to lie. He doesn't work on my time clock and he doesn't work on yours. But I'm going to tell you this much. Whatever he says, heaven and earth can pass away, but his word is going to remain sure. It's going to remain faithful. Everything God said is going to happen. Well, and so, so we, we tried to get to this point, now I'm all thrown off. I don't know when I'm supposed to, I don't know when magic hour is now. We, we, yeah, we don't, we don't know, we don't know. Uh, so, so I guess I'll just keep going till I'm done. Well, thank you, Sister Reba. I, I, at least somebody here said amen. The rest of you, I think maybe having second thoughts, praise God. But, uh, but anyhow, so, so here's what, Here's what happened. He was smitten mute until the angel said, you do what I tell you to do. And so when his term of duty was over, he went back home. His wife conceived and nine months later, the baby was born. They took him into the temple to there dedicate him to God to circumcise him and, and all the family decided they'd step in and express their opinion and said we're going to name him after daddy daddy's probably not going to live a whole lot longer you know he's up in years and somebody needs to carry on this family name and so we're going to name this one after daddy and, and they told mama said, this is what we've all decided and Elizabeth said no no his name is John and they said John there's nobody in your family named John. Why would you do that? Now, I'm going to tell you, I believe the reason why Elizabeth said that's because when her husband got home and couldn't talk, she wanted to know what in the world happened. And the Bible definitely tells us that, that Zacharias knew how to get a tablet and write. So he probably filled up a few tablets talking to Elizabeth that day when he got home. And he told her exactly what Gabriel had said. And she knew. And so she told the family, we're not naming this baby Zacharias. His name's John. Well, they didn't like that, so they went to daddy. And they said, what are we going to name this baby? 
And he asked for a writing tablet and he wrote these words. His name is John. Not it will be John. It is John. Because the angels already decided that. God had already given this baby a name. Before he was even conceived, God gave this baby a name. He's had a name before I even believed he was coming. He already had a name. And we're not varying from that. We're not getting off of that. Amen. We're not wavering from that. His name is John. And when he wrote that down, the Bible said his tongue was loosed and he began began to say praises unto God. The first thing to come out of his mouth was worship once again. It was worship that had brought about the fulfillment of the promise. And now that he held it in his hands, he was going to let God know I'm just as thankful now. Amen. In fact, I'm more thankful thankful. Amen. I'm going to praise you, not just with burnt incense, but I'm going to offer to you the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of my lips, giving thanks unto God. And so he began to praise God and in the midst of praising God, the most Marvelous thing happened. And it really was marvelous. Because it didn't take long during this time of praise until his words changed from mere praise to prophecy. The Bible said in Luke 167 that Zacharias prophesied. And we'll say he prophesied. Now, that may not mean much to most of you, but as I said last week, you got to understand, 400 years had passed without one word from a prophet. Now, I went back and checked just to make sure because I got to thinking after I preached last week, I got to thinking about the encounter with Mary and Elizabeth. And I wanted to make sure But when I read that, the Bible doesn't say that I could find that either of them prophesied. But they were praising God. They did open their mouths and say things that were full of worship and promise. But for whatever reason, the Bible didn't call it a prophecy. And so it appears to me at this point that this is the first prophetic utterance in 400 years. And you know, it sprang from lips of praise. From a man who had spent his life just doing mundane jobs things that, you know, wasn't really that glorious. It really wasn't that glamorous. Just one of those things that most people never really paid attention to. It didn't matter to anybody else who was in there burning the incense as long as it was burning. But I can promise you this. 
That man who continued on in that mundane job, amen, that represented worship, when he finally broke forth in words of praise, amen, his tongue was loose and he began to worship God with his words. I'm telling you, God stepped in and used this man in a way that nobody had been used for four long centuries. Oh, hallelujah. Listen to me, saint of God. That's why our worship is so important. You don't know what God may be doing in you and for you and through you while you're worshiping. This is not about trying to make the preacher happy. This is not about trying to impress anybody that's sitting on a pew. Amen. It's all about I'm going to give God the praise that he deserves. And while you're doing that, God knows how to step into your life and use you in ways that you never imagined oh hallelujah I've heard I've heard more than once stories of people praying with others in the altar who could not speak English And those praying with them didn't know the language of the seeker. So they just started worshiping God. And it wasn't long till they were talking in tongues. And I've heard on more than one occasion that that person that was seeking suddenly started shaking their head and it wasn't long until they received the Holy Ghost. You know what happened? This other individual, they weren't trying to be somebody spiritual. They were just giving God praise. They were just offering worship. But God stepped into that moment of worship and began to speak through them words that they didn't even understand. Words that they didn't even know. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody here today. I'm trying to encourage somebody if you'll just give God praise well I don't feel like it preacher you don't know how bad my life is right now but God can turn it around if you'll just begin to worship him if you'll just begin to praise him God can step into your worship and fix every problem these people weren't praying for God to change their language They weren't asking God to let them start speaking the native language of the one seeking. They were just praising God. And I don't see where Zacharias was saying, Lord, please let me prophesy. He was just worshiping God. And the next thing you know, he's prophesying. God used him in that moment of worship. Oh, hallelujah. Listen to me, saints. That's why I want us to push with our worship. I want us to get back to the old-fashioned way of worshiping God without hesitation, without reservation. I'm not talking about the modern uh, learned ways, uh, amen, of figuring out the proper dance steps and learning how to move your feet just right. I'm talking about, Sister Bonnie, the way it used to be. You remember what those days were like when they just got lost in the Holy Ghost and and bobby pins flew everywhere and hairdos were messed up and nobody cared what they looked like and nobody cared what anybody else thought they just got lost in a spirit of worship I'm here to tell you I want God to take us back to that kind of worship again I want God to take us back to that kind of praise again 
I'm not trying to be overly critical, but I am telling you, I'm so concerned about what I see in today's apostolic movement. Wild music's playing. The lights are out or way down. Strobe lights and spotlights and fog machines. And, and as soon as they can get the beat going, everyone starts an orchestrated bunny hop. Just bounce up and down to the music. I, I, I'm telling you, I've had, to, I've had to work on some of those guys in Africa because they love to dance. But my concern has always been, while they're dancing, they're looking around everybody else and smiling like, do you see the fancy footwork I'm doing? And then I come back home and I start seeing the same type deal going on right here in the U.S. of A. And I say, God, take us back to that old-fashioned way of worship where we just get lost in the Holy Ghost. We don't care. We don't care. We don't care. I long for the days that we get so drunk on the Spirit people have got to carry us out. I went to church with a man years ago. Amen. We had quite a move of God. He got so lost in the Holy Ghost. He was a truck driver. He had to leave after service and drive from Dallas, Texas to Jackson, Mississippi. He drove all the way across Interstate 20, however many hours that was, got to his stop, went to sign the papers. The man starts asking him questions and, and he's, he's speaking some language. And the guy said, I can't understand you, sir, but he couldn't help himself. For hours he had driven that truck just talking in tongues still lost in the Holy Ghost. Oh God, let us get back to that place. Let us get back to that place. Not just a few little words here and there where we feel enough chill bumps to go home and feel confident that we're okay with God. I felt his presence. I'm doing all right now. I want us to get lost in the Holy Ghost. I want God to take control of us. People having to be carried out. Hallelujah. People laid out in the spirit. I'm telling you, in times like that, it's amazing what God accomplishes. It's amazing what God accomplishes. Hallelujah. So it was with Zacharias. Here he is. He's just worshiping God for God's goodness to him. And the next thing you know, after 400 years without a prophetic word, Zacharias becomes the first. Hallelujah. Now, let me just say this and then I'm going to try my best to get into this message and I'll try to go through it as quickly as I can. Amen. I'm talking about the message that he prophesied. I'll try to go through it as quickly as I can, but I just want to say this. I want to just remind you, here was a man that though he was godly, though he was righteous, he doubted the word of God even when it was spoken to him by an angel. And yet, God still answered his prayer and God still used him 
miraculously. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I've lived long enough. I've pastored long enough. We're not ignorant of the devil's devices. You let somebody have a little bit of doubt creep up in their heart or in their mind and, and, and all of a sudden the devil says, well, you might as well forget it. God's never going to answer your prayer now. God doesn't want anything to do with you now. You've offended God now. Well, then explain Zacharias to me. He doubted the word of an angel. And yet, in one simple act of obedience, his name is John. The Bible said, not only was his tongue loosed, but he was filled with the Holy Ghost. Not only was his tongue loosed and he was filled with the Holy Ghost, but he became the first prophet in four centuries. I'm here to say to somebody, quit letting the devil make you live under some cloud because you had a moment of doubt, because you had a moment of discouragement, because you had a moment when you weren't stellar in your walk with God. I'm telling you, everybody's been there. I'm not justifying it. I'm not saying that it's okay for us just to do it anytime we want, but I'm saying every one of us are gonna have our down times and don't let the devil convince you that just because you had a downtime, there's no hope for your future. I'm pointing out a man right here. A man that was godly, but he doubted God. A man, he doubted the angel of God. And God had to shut his mouth for nine months. But at the end, God filled him. And God used him. And God spoke through him. And God will do the same for you. Because the God I serve is no respecter of persons. Well, hallelujah. Let's lift our hands. Let's love him. Let's love him. Let's love him. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, let's love him. I love you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. I praise you, Master. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, Praise God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Give me just a few moments, and I'm going to try to go through this miraculous message. Amen. Look in your Bible at Luke chapter 1. Would you turn there? Luke chapter 1, verses 67 through 79. It's a lengthy reading. But I want us to read everything that came out of this man's mouth. Everything that God used him to say at this crucial moment. And again, remember, remember, everybody's standing around. And there was quite a gathering that day. This was a big deal. These boys being circumcised and receiving their name, it was quite, it was quite the ritual among the Jews. And 
And especially for an old couple like Zacharias and Elizabeth, I can promise you they had quite a gathering that day. And for all of those that were present, they'd not heard one word from God for 400 years. And here they were, without even knowing it, trying to get John to disobey what the angel said. Oh, they meant well. They meant well. And I'm sure some of you can point to family members that they mean well. Or they try their best to get you to lay aside the things you believe or question what the word of God says. They try to tell you, oh, there's nothing really wrong. I look at that church, they do it. Look at that individual, they do it. They mean well, I guess, some of them. Some of them don't. Some of them just want to bring you down to their level so they don't feel so bad. And that's the truth. There's some of them that they feel condemnation because you're trying to do what's right. And the only way they can get out from that condemnation is to get you in the same sinful condition they're in. And if they can get you to become like them, then they won't feel convicted that they need to become like you. Hey, it's not just family members. Sometimes it's quote unquote friends. And can I tell you this? Listen to me. If you've got a friend that's always trying to get you to do things you shouldn't do, that's not your friend. That's not your friend. That's an enemy. I don't care how much you love them. I don't care how much you care about them. I don't care how many times they've paid your bills or done whatever. If they're trying to get you to disobey God, they're not being a friend. All right, all right, all right. Well, you didn't expect me to go through the last Sunday of 2021 and not do a little pastoring, did you? God didn't, God didn't put me here to be a uh, motivational speaker and give you weekly pep talks. He put me here to help you be saved. Sometimes we need to hear the hard, cold facts in order to be saved. All right, all right, I'm trying. Luke chapter one, start reading verse 67 and I'll, I'll try. I'm not promising, but I'm going to try to just let you read this whole thing for time's sake, and then we'll come back and break it down and look at parts of it as we go along. But let's, let's read the whole thing in its entirety here, uh, starting with verse number 67, Luke 1, verse 67. And his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people and hath raised up an horn of salvation for us, in the house of his servant David, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he sware to our father Abraham, that he would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies 
might, be, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Now, I, I don't know if you noticed. Verse 76, he says, And thou, child, shall be called the prophet of the highest. Zacharias is looking at his eight-day-old son. And he's prophesying to a child that doesn't even understand what he's saying. He didn't have a clue. Little baby John had no idea what his daddy was saying. He had no idea what was happening in the world around him. But the prophecy was given nonetheless. And though it was spoken to John, it really, obviously, was intended for those that were present and for us. Somebody, somewhere, must have written down what was said that day. Somebody must have thought it was important enough to record it for the coming posterity so that when Luke begins to write, he knows what it was that was spoken that day. These words, though addressed to John, were not just for John and they certainly weren't just about John in fact again I don't know if you really paid attention to what was being said but this prophecy had very very little to do with John other than the fact that he was going to be the prophet of the highest and go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways there's a little bit that actually involves John. But the bulk of this prophecy was about the coming Messiah. This incredible prophecy that came after all of these years of divinely appointed silence. Amen was a word of prophecy that was unprecedented it was a word of clarity about the one who was going to come I'm telling you it was a powerful prophecy and yet most of us really haven't thought about what it says we know about some of what Isaiah said we talk about some of what Daniel said we're familiar with some of what Ezekiel said but how much have we really thought about what prophet Zacharias said while standing in the temple on the day of dedication of his first son. 
I'm telling you, there's a message here about the Messiah. Will you stay with me for just a few more minutes? Amen. Here are some things that we can glean from this message. First of all, amen, verse number 68, read it again. Bless me, the Lord God Bless of Israel. Me the Lord God of Israel. For he had visited, he had and, visited redeemed and redeemed his people. Verse 79. To give light to them that to sit give in darkness to them that sit and in, darkness, in the shadow of, the death, shadow of death. To guide our to feet guide in, our the, way feet of in peace. the way of peace. I'm telling you that he began to declare that God had raised up a horn of salvation to redeem his people and to deliver them from sin. Amen. This glorious salvation is described here by Zacharias as a redemption, which speaks to us of a purchase. Amen. Do you understand the depth of what Zacharias was saying that day? He's letting everybody know Messiah is about to come and he's coming for one purpose. He's going to buy us back from the hands of the enemy. The enemy has controlled God's people for too long, but Messiah's coming and he's going to redeem them. He's going to purchase their salvation. Not with the blood of bulls and goats. Listen to what Peter said. First Peter chapter 1 verses 18 and 19. For as, as ye know that you were not redeemed with, not corruptible redeemed with corruptible things, things. silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. Right? But with the precious but blood here's of Christ. Here's how you're redeemed. With the precious blood of Christ. As, as a, lamb a lamb without blemish without and without blemish spot. And without spot. You've been redeemed. Amen. By the blood of Christ. This is what Zacharias was telling the crowd and telling us that day. Amen. This, this little boy. You may think he's something. But I'm telling you there's another one coming. That's far greater than this one. This one's just going to prepare the way for the one that's coming but when that one comes he's going to pay a price unlike any price he's going to shed his blood to set us free from the power of sin Mark chapter 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man even came the Son not of Man to came be ministered unto, to minister to. but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Oh, yeah. He came to give his life a ransom. That word ransom, you understand that? That speaks of a payment. Amen. God made a payment to get us out of the hands of our captors. That's what Zacharias said was about to take place. You've been in bondage all these years you've lived a man in the hands of captors that wanted you bound but I'm telling you the day is coming and it's not far away when they're gonna receive the ransom money and you are gonna be set free verse 77 to give knowledge of salvation, to give knowledge of unto, salvation his unto his people by the remission by of their the sins. Remission of their sins. Hallelujah. This is what Messiah is going to do. Amen. He's not going to do what blood, what the blood of bulls and goats have done for years. He's not just going to roll it all ahead for you to come back and look at it again next year. Amen. But he's going to remit that sin. Hallelujah. He's going to pay for that sin. 
Brother Nelson was talking about, you know, when the rapture comes, people could have his bills. I'm sure we've all got a few bills uh, probably sitting on our, our, our table or our desk drawer somewhere or something. Amen. Somewhere on that bill, it probably says remit to. You know what that word means? That means you got to pay for it. You got to take care of this debt by making a payment. And this is what Zechariah said. Hallelujah, it was going to happen when Messiah comes. He's going to remit our sins. He's going to pay the bill. We can't pay it. We can't do it ourselves. It's too great a debt. There's no way in this world that I could ransom myself. So Messiah is going to pay this bill for me. He's going to take care of this problem on my behalf. We talked about this the other day, but let's read it again. Psalm 103, verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from yes. us. Yeah, as far as the east is from the west, not the north from the south, but he put them so far away that they'll never meet up with us again. That's where God, that's what God has done with our sin. We aren't just saved from danger. We are saved from our own depravity. We've made a mess of our lives. We've lived our lives for ourselves. But he came, even though we've racked up a, a huge bill, a man in God's economy. He came and said, don't worry about it. I'm going to pay for it. I'm going to take care of it. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. That's what he's done. Salvation. Forgiveness. Have become familiar phrases in the Christian community. And I'm afraid that we often forget just how wonderful the gift of forgiveness really is. But I'm telling you, Zacharias gave us a prophecy to remind us we serve a Messiah who forgives. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad to know that whatever you put under the blood, you'll never have to see it again. Whatever he's forgiven, he's never going to bring it up again. He's never going to mention it again. It's been paid for. That's not all he does. He not only delivers from sin. He not only delivers from sin, but let's read verse 69. And hath raised up a horn, horn of salvation for us in for the us. house of his servant the house David. house of his servant David in verse 74. That he would grant unto, grant us, unto us that we being delivered, we being out, of delivered of enemies, out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without serve fear. Him without fear. I'm telling you here is what Zechariah said. Amen. He spoke of this Messiah. Amen. He called him the horn of salvation. He said he is one who rescues from our enemies. You see in scripture this term horn represents strength. It represents power. It represents authority. And I could give you scripture I won't today. Amen. But I'm telling you it's a symbol throughout the word of God when you read about the horn but this is what Jesus is he's the horn of salvation he's the strength of salvation he's the power of salvation he's the authority behind our salvation 
Amen. He not only forgives our sin, but he conquers the forces of darkness. I'm telling you, there's not a devil in hell that even brings fear to his heart. He's not worried about any devil or all of the devils because this is the horn. Amen. Of salvation. This is the authority of God. This is the strength of the Almighty. And he has come not just to forgive our sin, but to deliver us from the enemy. Oh, hallelujah. I, I don't want to get bogged down in all of this. In Revelation chapter 12, verses 1 through 9, there is an unfolding story that appears here. And uh, the book of Revelation, obviously, uh, Peter said about the writings of Paul that uh, in his epistles there are some things hard to be understood. Well, I don't have nearly as much trouble understanding Paul's writings as I do what John wrote in the book of Revelation. Hallelujah. But here in chapter 12, there is a war raging. And many Bible scholars believe that it's describing a cosmic battle that occurred when Christ was born. In this story, you see a fiery red dragon with seven heads and seven horns that's seeking to devour the child of a pregnant woman who is clothed with the sun. This child is described in Revelation 12 as being the one who would rule all nations. And the Bible says that this child, in spite of the fact that the dragon wanted to devour him, he was spared by God. And then, when God spared the child, read it for yourself, war broke out between the angels of God and the dragon and his forces. And yet, when this war broke out, there are two things I want you to notice. Read Revelation 12, verse 5. And she brought forth a man-child uh -huh. who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. And so first of all, it didn't matter what the dragon tried to do. The child was spared. The will of God was accomplished. And that child would rule all the nations. The devil can't stop the plan of God. Then I want you to notice verse number nine. And the great dragon was cast, he was out, cast out. That old serpent, that old serpent called the devil called and the Satan, devil, Satan, which deceived the, the whole world. He was cast, he was out, cast into out, the out into the earth. And his angels and his were angels cast out with cast him. Cast out with him. Hallelujah. I, I'm here to tell you. Amen. The second thing you've got to notice not only was the child delivered, but the devil was defeated. Oh, praise God. Amen. I know we sing about silent night, holy night. Doesn't sound like it was very silent. 
to me sound like there was a great battle that was going on but I'm telling you there is a victor who still sits on the throne the devil's not big enough bad enough strong enough powerful enough mean enough ugly enough terrible enough he can't stop the mighty God in Christ and I want you to know that any devil that comes after you, that same God is just as powerful today. He's just as strong today. He's just as glorious today. He's just as mighty today. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He meant what that devil is. It doesn't matter if it's a spirit, amen, that comes in to destroy your home. God's greater. It doesn't matter if it's a spirit that comes in to destroy your health. God's greater. It doesn't matter if it's a spirit that comes in to destroy your finances. God is greater. I'm here to tell you greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. We, we need to look beyond the silent night and learn to appreciate this cosmic battle and the ultimate victory that was secured by God. You see, he is Emmanuel. You want to know why the devil was so mad? There's a number of reasons, but part of the reason was because God was coming down into the devil's territory. He wasn't just going to remain secluded in the heavenlies. The Bible says of Satan, he's the prince and power of the air. The Bible calls him the God of this world. But here's what our God did. He came down to the devil's turf and said, I'm going to take you on in your own territory. I'm not afraid of you. I'm not afraid of your forces. And when he got down here into the devil's turf, amen, we find thousands of devils begging him, please don't torment us before our time. He wasn't afraid of them, but honey, they were afraid of him. They understood this was not the second person in a mythical trinity. This was Emmanuel. This was God with us. Hallelujah. A holy invasion into enemy territory. Oh, hallelujah, I like that. It was a holy invasion into enemy territory. That's what I like about what God's been doing right here at the Truth Church because the devil had set up his thrones and his dominions. But the day came, hallelujah, when God said, we're going to have an invasion, a Holy Ghost invasion. 
We're going down to where the devil thought he had them. We're going down to where the devil thought it was all over with. And we're going to show the devil that he is no more in charge here than he was back there. He's got no more authority now than he did back then. Oh, somebody help me preach today. I'm here to tell you right here in Olathe, Kansas, God has invaded the devil's territory and victory is ours. You go ahead and find fault with the church. You go ahead and find the flaws in everybody else. But my eyes are on the conquering king. A man who has ridden in to the enemy's territory. I'm not looking at anybody's mistakes or failures. I'm looking at the God who makes no mistakes and has never failed. And he's here. He's in this room. He's in this city. And he's fighting for his people oh hallelujah oh let's love him let's love him praise God oh Jesus Oh, yeah. I don't care what you're dealing with today. God's greater. I don't care what you're battling today. God's greater. I don't care what you're struggling with. God's greater. And he's in the house today. He's still a deliverer. He still knows how to set people free. Hallelujah. stay tormented I'm telling you the deliverer is in the house today yeah 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 
And so, so while I'm up here preaching, I'm not, I'm not finished yet. I'm not finished yet. Y'all don't racehorse me now. Uh, while I'm up here preaching, I mean, how God can conquer even devils that try to destroy your health. I get a text from Sister Brooklyn that says, Toby is off oxygen and his levels are staying within normal range. What a miracle, what a miracle, what a miracle! still got I still got a ways to go here uh, I got I got something I, I gotta say I can't I can't I can't close just yet here you, you still got those verses there brother golf yes, sir. read verse 74 if there's ever been a time this needed to be preached it's right now Luke 174. That he would grant unto us. Now, now remember, Zacharias is talking about what the Messiah is going to do for his people. That he would grant unto us. That we being delivered. We being delivered. Out of the hand of our enemies. Out of the hand of our enemies. Might serve him. Might serve him. Without fear. Without fear. Listen. I'm going to tell you, and I said this when it first hit way back in the first part of 2020, and I say it again, and I know that COVID's real. I understand that there is a real threat out there, but I'm going to tell you far worse than the dangers of COVID is the dangers of the spirit of fear. God doesn't want his people living with a spirit of fear. He not only delivered us, amen, from the enemy, but he destroys our fear. Oh, hallelujah. 1 John 4, 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. I'm here to cast out some fear tonight. Why don't you quit worrying? Why don't you quit fretting? Why don't you quit living your life, amen, with this torment of mind and understand we've got something the world doesn't have. We've got something the world doesn't have. We've got God. We don't have to live in fear. We don't have to live in worry anymore. And then there's one more thing. One more thing the Messiah does. According to this prophecy from Zechariah, verse 79, read for me. 
to give light to them that sit to in darkness. Give light to them that sit in darkness. And in the shadow and in of the death. Shadow of death. To guide our to feet. Guide our feet into the way into of the peace. Way of peace. So the Messiah delivers from sin. He defeats the enemy. He destroys our fear. And he displays a light. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm telling you. I'm telling you there is a light that is shining today to anybody that's still walking in darkness. First Peter 2 verse 9. You're a chosen generation. A royal priesthood. A, a holy nation. A peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Oh thank God for the light of salvation. Thank God we don't have to live in darkness anymore and it's all because the Messiah came he brought this to us come on church we ought to rejoice today we ought to thank God for what he did when he came to this earth Emmanuel God with us oh let's praise him Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Oh, come on. Let's thank him a little more. Let's thank him. Aren't you grateful? Aren't you grateful for the coming of the Messiah? Oh, how wonderful. How wonderful, how wonderful to be a part, to be a part of God's glorious church. Amen. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Delivered from sin. Delivered from the enemy. Delivered from fear. Delivered from darkness. Oh, thank God. Thank God for our deliverer. Thank God for our deliverer. Come on, let's praise him again. Come on, let's love him again. Woo, hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, I love you, Lord, I love you, Lord, I love you, Lord, I love you, Lord. Praise God, praise God, praise God. My God can do anything. Do you believe this? Can do anything. He's got the power. He's got the power. 
Lord, what do you need him to do for you today? You need healing? You need deliverance? What do you need for the Lord to do for you today? He's able. He's got the power. He's able to do exceeding. Abundantly above. He's got the power. All that we can ask or think. He's got the power. him like we believe this he can do anything can do anything he can do anything my god can do anything oh yes he can he's got the power he's got the power he's got the power he's got the power He's got the power. He's got the power. He's got the power. He's got the power. My God can do anything. Oh yes, my God can do anything. Yes, he can. My God, he can do anything. He's got the power. He's got the power. He's got the power. He's got the power. Let's love him right now. Let's love him. Let's love him.